0: is Sunday number three in our summer series entitled The Grace Impact. We are uh, using as uh, kind of uh, our core foundational thinking a book from Max Lucado. Lucado. Um, I highly recommend it. Great supplement to the, uh, the summer series. So you might want to consider getting that. if You want to dig deeper Last week, we looked at grace and bitterness. and We said grace and bitterness cannot occupy the same place at the same time. You're either filled with grace or you're filled with anger and bitterness and rage. Uh, and here's what we said. For grace to grow, the bitterness must go. For grace to grow, the bitterness has to go as a part of uh eliminating bitterness, we said forgiveness is a huge part of getting rid of bitterness. I recommended a book last week on forgiveness, my favorite book on the subject, because it's complicated. If it was easy, everyone would just forgive very easily. But I promise you it's a lot more complicated, and you know that, if you've ever tried to forgive. Anyway, some of you need this book badly. And I said in second service, it's way cheaper than years of counseling, okay? And some of you, you're really angry at some things that have happened. This would be a great book for you by Lewis Smead's, The Art of Forgiving. Uh, here's the deal. I know some of you, yeah, I forgot. Well, I ordered five copies of The Art of Forgiving. And don't even, don't even email me if you're really not going to read it. If you just want to put it on the shelf, then don't participate. But if you really would read it, I'm going to give away those five copies. So you email me and tell me why you need the book. And we'll give away those five. Okay, so a good chance some of you are going to get that. It's at PastorJEllis at Yahoo.com. So we are in part three now. Uh, commercials are over. Let's dig in. Why is grace needed and necessary? We haven't really answered that question. Why, why do we talk so much about grace? Why do we sing so much about grace here at Walloon? Why is that such a big part of who we are? Why does grace matter so much? I'm reading from the Gospel of Luke chapter chapter 19. Chapter 19 of Luke verse 12. A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minors, uh, kind of like ten $100 bills. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him, and they sent a delegation after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. We don't want you anymore. Stay away. Uh... I give this illustration based on that uh, parable Jesus just gave. Suppose uh, Peter and Connie, you head to Florida this fall, and you uh, appoint a caretaker. You give somebody the keys to your house and say, "Would you please watch over the house? I'll pay. I'll pay you. Uh, you make sure that you watch over the house." But while you're gone. Your caretaker, Peter, takes over your house. Literally moves in, claims it for his own. He engraves his name on your mailbox. X's out, Balinga, and now puts his own name in there. Puts his name on all your accounts. Plops his dirty feet on your coffee table. And invites his buddy to come sleep in your bed. (laughs) He, uh, He writes you and says, hey. I now have the authority around here. I'm claiming this house as mine. And he sends you this message, don't come back, I'm running things now. That's basically what we just read in Luke chapter 19. Uh, Here's what uh, Max says, and I like it. The Bible's word for this thinking is sin. Sin is not a regrettable lapse or an occasional stumble. Sin stages a coup against God's regime. Sin storms the castle, lays claim to God's throne, and defies God's authority. (laughs) Sin shouts, I want to run my own life, thank you very much. Sin tells God, get lost, get out, don't come back. You understand? Sin is an insurrection of the highest order, and you are an insurrectionist, and so am I. And so is every single person who's ever breathed breath. You understand? That's the essence of sin. It's not just, well, I occasionally make a little mistake. No, no, no. Sin at its core is telling God, get out of here. I want to be my own boss. I want to call my own shots. I want to make my own rules. At core, that's what sin is all about. Would you stand with me if you're able? We're going to read uh, several different verses. uh put it up here on the screen. We'll start with Romans three verses ten to twelve uh romans three twenty three romans six twenty three Ephesians chapter two, and then we're going to actually sing a little. You up for that you're singing well earlier. Here we go. This is God's word. Read with me as it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As for you, you were dead. In your transgressions and sins. Okay, now we're going to sing. Okay, you up to it? This is a song written by a former slave trader. Uh, The Lord miraculously got a hold of him. He realized what a great sinner he was. But I think you know this song, and I want you to pay special attention to two words, okay? Uh, Second line, uh, wretch. Saved. uh, Say it with me. uh, Wretch. That's not a good word, okay? It's like you're really on your own, pretty worthless, pretty awful. Yep. Uh and, and then the next word I want you to notice, last line was blind. I couldn't see where I was going. I, I was dead and I was blind spiritually, but now I can see. Ready? Here we go. Let's sing. Amazing grace. How sweet. The sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found, was blind, but now. I see. Let's pray together. Lord, we need you right today because all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own selfish ways. And Lord, all of our struggles with sin are unique and probably different from the person next to us, but we still we all struggle. Some of us with alcohol or pills, Uh, Others of us here standing today, we battle greed and gluttony. Uh, Others of us are still in a fight with pornography or pride. And still others of us here today, we're entangled with envy or gossip or self-righteousness. But the truth, Lord, is all of those have a name. It's sin. So would you meet us today, this uh, group of sinners Standing today in your church, Lord, would you help us to understand the bad news? And it's really bad news that we're all guilty, and we all fall short, and spiritually we're all dead. So, Lord, that is bad news. But I'm glad, Lord, we don't end with that today. Thank you for good news. Thank you for your Son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for grace that breaks through to our lives. And I'm praying, Lord, that we'll understand very clearly how bad the bad news is today. So that, Lord, we can rejoice and celebrate over the really good news. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice. "Amen." Maybe see it. Let me say a few obvious things. To say uh, sin is not popular, 2019, is an understatement. Matter of fact, uh, for many today, the only sin today is someone who would dare to call something sin. That would be the only sin because uh, anybody can do anything. And today the the ultimate sin is to call something sin. But I want you to understand, give me your eyes, just because something isn't popular doesn't mean that it's still not true. And just because something isn't politically correct doesn't mean that it's still not truth and something that's vital for us to understand and know and get a handle on. The truth is We've become experts at comparing. Well, I, I, I'm not that bad because look at that person, or we deny, or this is my uh, personal favorite. I like to blame. There's always someone else to blame. Yeah, I messed up, but it but it really wasn't my fault. Or we minimize. It, it wasn't that bad. Uh, it, it wasn't that awful. We minimize. We blame. We compare, we deny our sin and our shortcomings. Most of us here today, we're, were really good. And no one had to give you a class on it. Isn't that true? No one had to teach you how to blame someone else. No one had to teach you how to minimize the things you mess up in. We naturally have that in us. But until we begin to appreciate and approach our sin... Without comparing it to others, or let's go on the big scale, because in the big scheme of things, I'm still doing more good than bad. That's where we head to next. Well I, well, I'm still a pretty good person, and, and I think I'm going to get entered and ushered into heaven, because you know, after all, I got a little bit more on the good than the bad, until we get rid of that thinking. Give me your eyes. We really can't enjoy and celebrate and and take in the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. Until you get rid of that minimizing, denying, comparing, get it on the scale. Until we realize how how wretched we really are, we're not going to really understand and appreciate grace. Pastor Kyle Edelman says it this way in his book on grace. As long as we think I'm not that bad, grace will never seem that good. As long as you're thinking, well, I'm I'm really not that bad, well, then you're really not going to appreciate how amazing and awesome grace is. I won't appreciate how awesome grace is until I finally admit just how sinful and selfish Jeff is. Grace won't mean that much to us. It's just one of those words we talk about in church until I finally admit how sinful and selfish I really am. There was a, a tweet by a pastor named Gene, or Jean probably. Here's what he said. If the biggest sinner you know isn't you, then you don't know yourself very well. So I'll just let that settle in a little bit. If, if the biggest sinner you know isn't you, then you probably don't know yourself very well. When I first read that, my first instinct is to go into the comparison. I'm thinking of all the great sinners in history. And, I, and I'm, and i you know, there's been a lot of evil people down through the centuries. You know, and you got uh, King Herod there killing babies back in the New Testament. And we can... Slide up forward, there's been a lot of awful people down through. Hitler, Stalin, Mao. Or, my second thought is, I'm going to go to some really bad people today. And I think of criminals. and And I think of people who've done awful things. Who've abused children, murderers, those who steal from the least of these. Awful, awful. But here's the truth the more I chew on that quote (laughs) if the biggest sinner you know isn't you, then you don't know yourself very well. The more I chew, the more I realize it's more true than I care to admit. It's really more true than I want to acknowledge. And it reminds me of this verse 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. Here's what the Apostle Paul said about himself. Paul says this about Paul. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save who? Okay, you're tracking now. The reason Jesus came and took on a human body was to save sinners. And notice how he ends that verse, Of whom I am the worst. Paul says, I'm the worst. So Jesus came to save sinners, but I just want you to know I'm, I'm the worst. I'm the worst of sinners. And now some of you who know quite a bit about New Testament, you're thinking, well, of course. Paul was the great persecutor of the church. Paul uh, guarded the coats of those who were flinging bricks into the face of Stephen as he was being murdered. Why was Stephen murdered, Acts chapter 7. Because he dared to speak up about Jesus Christ. And Paul, young, young Paul, called Saul then, was watching their coats. and Cheering them on. Throw harder. Get him in the nose. Crush his skull. And then in Acts chapter 9, we're told that Paul was going all over the ancient world to arrest and even murder those who followed Jesus. How dare you? Turn your back on Jewish roots. How dare you follow this Jesus Christ? So Acts 9 says it pretty clearly. He really was the worst sinner. Except, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, give me your eyes. When Paul says, I am the worst, I am is in the present tense. You understand? He's saying, I am the Right now, as the Apostle Paul, the worst sinner. I am the worst. Paul's not saying I was the worst sinner. Uh, 20, 30 years ago when I was doing all those awful things, he says, right now, I'm the worst sinner. And we would argue, but Paul, you're, you're the one that brought Jesus to the Gentile world. Paul, you you traveled all around the Mediterranean. You established churches. You brought the gospel message to those who'd never heard. Paul, thousands and thousands and thousands of people said yes to Jesus because of your words, because of your life. And, And Paul says, no, no, here's what you need to know. Right now, present tense, I am the worst of sinners. Now I probably couldn't have said this 20 or 30 years ago. Because I really didn't believe it. <laughs> um, but I can say it today. The greatest sinner I know. Is Jeff. Altus. The greatest sinner I know. You know why? Because I know me. And I can't get away from me. Have you found that out? You can't run away from yourself and you know what's going going on in your head, I know how fully sinful and selfish I really am apart from Jesus Christ. Every, Every hour I choose not to walk and stay connected to Christ, I know how fully sinful and selfish I really am without Jesus. I know my attitudes, I know my motives, I know my resentments, I know my pride. I don't know anybody else like I know me. That's why I can say, yep, I'm the worst sinner I know. And the longer I walk with Christ, the, the longer that I know Jesus Christ, um, many of the things that I used to give myself a pass on, you understand, I well, that was just a mistake. Well, that was just a misunderstanding. Well, well I didn't really mean to do that. That was just a slip up. Now. I look at those things and say, no, that was pride. No, that was selfishness. No, that was like a half lie to cover up so I didn't get in trouble. No, that was revenge. No, that was envy. Do you understand? Things I used to give myself a pass on, the truth is, that was sin. I really am the greatest sinner I know. That's the bad news. We're all way worse than we realize the reality is if we're honest admit it we're all great sinners in deserving of punishment we we deserve the wrath of a mighty holy righteous god that's the bad news ready for some good news I don't know about you but I am right now okay uh here's the good news uh locate with me on your phone or in your bible romans chapter We'll put it up here. Here's the good news, the great news. No, this is the best news ever. Here we go, verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man's sin, how much more did God's, what's the next word? God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man Jesus Christ overflowed to the many. Nor can the gift of God really be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and all of the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man. His name is. His name is. His name is everyone. That's that's where the gift comes. (laughs) The gift is awesome. Jesus took away our sins on the cross. Jesus Christ, His Shed blood was not infected with sin. He never sinned, thought, word, deed. Therefore, he alone uniquely qualifies to be the sinless Lamb of God to take the hit for our greatest problem in life. We're sinners. Let me quote Max another time, page 36 in his book. God didn't overlook your sins, lest he endorse them. He didn't punish you. Lest he destroy you, he instead found a way to punish the sin and preserve the sinner. Jesus took your punishment and gave you the credit for Jesus' perfection. That's what grace is. Do you understand? Jesus took the hit. He took our punishment and he put on us his awesome, amazing grace. This is huge your eyes, God's grace is always greater than whatever sin we're battling and fighting against. Whatever sin we're facing today and, and they're different, there isn't one well, that my sin's better or worse. no, no, they're all sin. We missed the mark. Whatever sin we're facing, God's grace is always greater. God's grace, is greater than our sin. Say it with me. God's grace is greater than my sin. Say it again like you believe it. God's grace is greater than my sin. It's true. (laughs) It really is. Greater than my worst sin. Greater than your worst sin. Would you locate, you have another sheet. I didn't talk about that yet. On the one side, uh, Jody is collecting uh, names and addresses for a new directory that's coming out soon. But on the other side, that's where I'd like you to focus. Um, It says, grace is greater than, or for some of us, less than my worst sin. The grace of Jesus Christ is greater than my worst sins greater than your worst sins. And somebody's thinking right now, oh, Pastor Jeff, you don't, you don't know my worst sin. You don't know this entangling, besetting sin that has me by the throat and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried to get victory. And I just want you to know that thing is stubborn. It's strong. It's overwhelming my life. It's actually wrecking me right now. It refuses to die. It's just too strong. Never been an announcer uh, at, a, at a boxing match, but I'm going to give it a shot. Okay, Can you handle that? Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> in this corner, <laughs> in the black trunks, is the stubborn, entangling, besetting sin that you and I struggle with. And it's strong. And so far, it's undefeated, and it's whooping our fannies again and again and again. Got it? In this corner. But, in the other corner, in the bloody red trunks, (laughs) is Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who brings victory, the one who brings His amazing, awesome grace to our lives. When we allow him to take charge. And he promises. When you go against. Those entangling besetting sins. That got you by the throat. He has the power within you. As you yield and surrender to Jesus. His grace. His power. Is stronger. It's wonderful grace. Power over sin. Power over death. The victory in Christ. Is available. To those who know Jesus personally. That's the fact. I close with this question. Do you believe. That the grace of Jesus Christ. Is greater. Than your worst sin. And I know theologically. Some of you. Well I know that's a biblical thought. Yes we just read that there. In Romans chapter 5. I know I'm really not talking. Theological biblical doctrine right now. Practically. Do you believe that the grace of Jesus Christ is greater than your worst sin? And for those of you who are brave and bold, I want you to stare at that just for a moment. And for some of you, go ahead, write in your greatest sin right now. I, I, would, I would, I I, I would encourage that. Maybe you're thinking, nah, I don't think so. Okay, well, you could just know what it says, but I want you. To put at least in your head, or actually write it down, what's your, what's your worst sin? What's your biggest battle? What is it that, if you're not careful, it continues whooping your tail, day after day after day? Just give you a moment to chew on that. What's your greatest sin? Not, not mistake. We're not blame. Not not the greatest thing you're blaming or minimizing. The thing that you struggle with the most, and if you don't get control of it, it has the potential to destroy you and your family. That's what I'm talking about. Personalize it. That's what we're doing. This is more than just a doctrine, this is a fact in my life. Do have extras of these if you don't want to freak Jody out by turning this in with your greatest sin. We have extras. You can fill out the directory. We have extra copies in the back. and uh, Anyway, so you can take this with you and not turn it into Jody. Uh, she's the office manager. <laughs> Here's the best news. We don't have to pretend. I'm just telling you as soon as we put our religious cloak on and oh yes I'm a very good nice moral do-gooder and I'm always uh doing nice good things and by sheer willpower I'm going to be good. Remember what Jesus had to say about the best nicest religious people of the day? You boys are nothing but whitewashed tombs. You, you paint a nice white coat on the outside, but on the inside, you're nothing but rotting, stinking bones. Remember that? that thats what it's like when we when we play this charade. Oh yeah, I got my act together. I, I'm really good and nice. No, no. There's there's a French word for that. I, I say it's baloney. Okay? No, you're you're not okay. You're not doing it well. That's a bunch, my grandpa would say, that's a bunch of hogwash. Uh, Okay? It's the daily grace of Jesus. It's the daily power of his spirit working in and through us that brings victory. The only victory that's possible, the only thing that kills old, sinful, selfish Jeff, is the grace of Jesus. Alive in me. And the only thing that'll kill old sinful selfish you is the grace of Jesus that gives us the power and the victory over our old sinful selfish ways. It's Jesus, wonderful grace of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we acknowledge how stubborn our pride is, at least I know mine is. And it's hard for us to admit just how much sin controls us. We really want to look good and nice and moral and religious on the outside. At least many of us do. It matters. But the fact is, Lord, and uh, your book is really clear, and if we're honest, as we examine down deep it's it's clear in our lives that our greatest problem in life is we are wicked selfish prone to wander prone to minimize sin people and lord we recognize theologically doctrinally your grace is greater than our worst sin practical truth is, some of us have entangling, besetting sins that have been whooping our tail. So Lord, would you help us to go beyond the theoretical and the doctrinal and now get real practical? Lord, would you help us to begin believing that the grace of your Son, Jesus Christ, really is greater than our worst sin? to know it down to our core so much that we move it from our head and actually start trusting and believing, and relying on your grace and your Spirit to infuse us with your power and your fruit and your victory. Lord, that's the first step. Until we believe that your grace is greater, there will be no victory. Need to know. if uh, you're here today and you need to take that first step and you need somebody to listen and pray and stand with you, that's why we got a prayer corner. That's why we have a prayer chapel. Just make your way over there. they'd love to pray and join you in praying for victory. There's another possibility could be the reason you're getting no victory over your worst sin is because there's no Jesus alive and inside of you. Victory over sin, the grace of Jesus Christ, does not take up residence in our lives until we invite him in. Maybe you've never opened up the door to your life and said, Jesus, come on in. I need you. I need what you did for me on the cross. I need your shed blood. I need your victory over sin and Satan and death when you came alive early Sunday morning. Right now I say yes. I do. I believe that your shed blood, your resurrection from the dead was so that I could have your grace and your power and your victory in me. Life is... In and through Jesus Christ. That's what grace is all about. Anyone say, you know what? I think that might be my problem. I, I, I've never said yes. I know about Jesus, but I've never relied on Jesus and what He did for me on the cross. What He did in shedding His blood for my greatest problem, I'm a sinner, and receiving Him, Jesus Christ opening up the door to my life and saying, yes, Jesus, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need your spirit and your power alive in me. Did you know right where you are seated you can do that? Jesus, yes, opening up the door to my life. I need your grace. The grace we're talking about today, I need that in my life. By faith I say, Come take charge of these bones. Come come take charge of my mind. Come take charge of my will. I need you. I need your grace. I need you, Jesus, front and center in my life.